Europe Out Loud, a podcast about Europe's history, culture and civilization. Brought to you by the Martins Centre with Frederico Reo. Welcome to the third podcast of Europe Out Loud. I'm Federico Taviorio, Research Officer at the Martin Centre for European Studies. And uh, this podcast was occasioned by the recent development in Catalonia and Spain. Uh, the crisis, uh, part of the audience will excuse me, at some moments that one might define rocambolesque, uh, but uh, it raised some important questions, I believe, that is worth discussing. So I want to make four points on this topic. The first point is that the EU project has an ambiguous relationship with the nation-state. The second point is that, however surprising that may sound, uh, Christian Democrats and Conservatives, so people from the, the EPP political family, have good reasons to be sympathetic to a Europe of small states. The third point is a bit the other side of the coin of the second point, Socialist and progressive have actually no reasons, in my opinion, to support a Europe of small states. And the, the fourth uh, and last point is uh, the idea that a Europe of region is, in fact, incompatible with the political union in Europe as it stands now. So, point one. Uh, the EU project has an ambiguous relationship with the nation-state, meaning that it, it, it is difficult to... Uh, conclude finally, once and for all, whether the European project has strengthened the nation-state or actually weakened the nation-state. On the one hand, it is undeniable, and it, is, it has been argued and well argued, that in the aftermath of World War II, uh, the European project did not dissolve the nation-states, but it, it was in fact in many ways uh, a way for the nation-state to re-legitimize itself in a new form after the, the low point and the complete discredit that it had reached with the First and the Second World War. So it did not dissolve uh, nation-states, but it just enabled them to build a more um, pacified uh, political system in which, in a, in a new form, they could survive and thrive. On the other hand, there are clearly aspects of European integration that have weakened some of the fundamental pillars of legitimacy of nation-states. And uh, let me make... Let me refer to two which are particularly important. The threat of external war was one of the major reasons why small states were unviable. You needed broader political um, unit to be able to defend their citizens. Uh, of course, this is gone with European integration. The European integration project has pacified uh, the European international environment so that the, the claims of small regions um, to to secession are, uh, sounds much more plausible than they did beforehand. The second aspect is actually the threat of external protectionism. That is, in a very economically protectionist environment, it is very important to have a strong, a big internal market, national internal market, simply because one is shut out of international markets. And of course, the European integration project has favored economic integration at the European level. So even that aspect, the aspect of a big internal market in a protectionist international environment, is gone. Uh, as a result of these two um, uh, developments, I think the European project clearly um, made uh, secessionist claims by some regions much more credible than they, than they uh, were beforehand. 
the second point is that Christian Democrats and conservatives have good reasons to support a Europe of small states. In fact, historically, they have been the most supportive of such a Europe. And uh, uh, if I have to summarize why, it's very simply because Christian Democrats and conservatives tend to prize um, liberty and variety over equality and uniformity, which are the utmost uh, progressive uh, values. Uh, if we want to be a little bit more specific, a system of small states tend to trigger competitive dynamics between them, which has important consequences both economically and politically, and both of them goes in the direction of limiting the intrusiveness of government. Economically, it's very simple to see. Uh, if uh, a small state has very high taxes and very high regulation, there is a tendency for citizens and firms to just leave, to just move to other states, and therefore the state will, lo will lose revenues. Um, and, and this would, would represent a check on the ability of the state to intervene and regulate its economy. Uh, the second aspect is political. Uh, let's imagine, for example, uh, censorship or a pattern of uh, political uh, tyranny. It's very difficult to maintain it in a system of small states where, for example, a, pub, like a, a writer that cannot publish in one country can easily flee to another country and publish in it. I move to my third point, which is very easy to understand based on my second point, uh, that is the idea that socialist and progressive have actually no reasons to support a Europe of small states at all, uh, simply because they prize uh, equality and uniformity over liberty and variety. And in a system of small states, the possibility for government intervention in the economy is very limited, and also the possibility for implementing grand uh, progressive plans of social um, and cultural reform is very limited. There will always be states going uh, their own way. This has been very well seen by the most uh, perceptive uh, progressive voices, even in the ex example of the Catalonian crisis. Um, uh, Thomas Piketty, the, the, the famed uh, French economist and, and, and intellectual, published one or two months ago an article in which he explained precisely that the, the problem of Spain was not excessive centralization in Madrid, but in fact an excess of competition, decentralization, and especially fiscal decentralization and competition. And not by chance, the most consequentialist uh, progressive voices have advocated a strong European state and ideally actually a world state uh, from which nothing can escape, uh, from whose control nothing can escape. This is a bit the paradox of the situation we are in. We see that there are both right-wing and left-wing secessionist movements in Europe, but the most successful seem to be the left-wing movements. If you look at Scotland and the Scottish uh, National Party or Catalonia with a very strong uh, leftist uh, coalition, it's quite clear that these, these are uh, forces that support a, a very interventionist economic model, strong welfare, tax and spend, policies, which in fact would be completely unsustainable for standalone uh, regions. Small economies tend to be open. Small countries tend to have open economies, simply because their, their domestic markets are very small. Uh, they, they lack a lot of raw materials. Uh, they lack a lot of the goods and services that they need to consume because of the size of their economy, so they have to import these goods and services. And in order to import these goods and services, they have to be open to international trade. So the, the, the leftist dreams of many of these secessionist movements are completely incompatible 
with a small state's pattern of political organization that they uh, privilege. My fourth and last point is a corrective on my second point. There are indeed many virtues, in uh, uh, many theoretical virtues, if you want, in um, uh, a Europe organized along the lines of small states, but I believe that the Europe of regions, as the saying goes, is in fact incompatible with the political union of Europe as it exists today. The reason is very simple. Uh, a Europe of region is outside the current constitutional order. It antagonizes the very actors, and in fact the only actors, that can bring about any meaningful um, process of uh, political union in Europe, that is the states, by basically denying that they have any legitimacy. Um, they, so uh, upholders of a Europe of region put themselves outside the current um, constitutional order. Uh, this is uh, an important lesson on many uh, historical experiences of unification, of federalization of previously autonomous states. Uh, for example, if we think about Germany, uh, it is very difficult, if not impossible, to do it against the will of the states. So what, what is the way out of the situation we are in? Uh, indeed, uh, probably it is uh, for the for the center-right, for conservatives and Christian Democrats, to be broadly sympathetic to federalization, both within countries and between countries at the European level. Uh, meaning that a process that would bring potentially government closer to the people within the existing nation states without dismantling them, while at the same time shifting at the European level some key um, areas of competence which are best dealt with at the European level. I'm thinking about defense, foreign policy, uh, the control of borders, the single currency, uh, the single market, the four freedoms of the, of the single market. This is a pattern that would uh, preserve the advantages of uh, decentralization and competition and innovation um, in, the, in a system of small states, um, but also uh, enable the continuation of uh, a meaningful process of political unification at the European level. That was today's episode of Europe Out Loud. Subscribe to our podcasts for more.